You know, Dan, I'm in a house with three kids, one of whom is a baby and two dogs. And why is it your house that's causing the distraction? Welcome to Joe Picks an NFL Team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who she should root for next season. This week's episode is going to be our first good team of the podcast series, the Super Bowl 50 champions, the Denver Broncos. The first good team. Dan, I'm excited. I'm excited too. We've really got a lot uh, to talk about here for the Broncos. But before we get started, I want to say we went into the mailbag. And yes, we've got our first viewer mail. Here we go. From Joe. <laughs> not not from me, though. A different Joe. <laughs> I swear. Well, you also sent fan mail, but that didn't count. This is actually from another <laughs> Joe. <laughs> okay. Maybe they were just searching for themselves in the iTunes store and found your name in the title. You know, I mean, I think the natural audience for this podcast is people named Joe. It's called yeah, Joe we, Picks an NFL Team. We should be crushing in that demographic. <laughs> All right, here we go. Interesting and entertaining podcast thus far. I will say this, though. The banner logo for said podcast leaves a lot to be desired. Looks like somebody went to Fiverr.com and only had three bucks to spend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the, the Fiverr bit is right. I think I, I think I know who this guy is. He's a coworker of mine. He does like to design logos and I think his feelings were a little bit hurt that I paid someone else $5 to do it. At the end of the day, you know, I, I wanted to go to a professional, albeit a $5 professional uh, podcast logo maker. And Look, I, I think, thought the logo is great. I think you get what you pay for. Absolutely. $5 well spent. Yeah, I think it's a $5 logo, not $3. No, it is exactly a $5 logo. Absolutely. Dan, I did also get a little bit of feedback. I, I only mentioned this because I got two pieces of, of, you know, this is like old school listener mail, which was just someone telling me this from same feedback from two people, both uh, my, my friend Nate and my dad both said that we need to have a laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe the reason given was they can't tell when to laugh, <laughs> which I oh, think no. is actually our fault, not the fault of not having a laugh track. What, so what are your thoughts on a laugh track? Uh, I think it's a great idea. Or, you know, I think your dad lives in the same city as you. He should just be in the background of the podcast and be like a peanut gallery. That's what I think. Live studio audience. Yeah. All right. So that's the listener feedback. So Dan, Denver Broncos, what are we drinking? Today, we are drinking the Silver Bullet Coors Light. It's brewed cold. It's bottled cold. And I hope you are drinking yours ice cold. Well, I'm uh, actually drinking my Coors Light in its native habitat, which is a uh, red silo cup. Solo cup. A red solo cup. <laughs> red silo cup. <laughs> See, the problem with that, Joe, is you can't tell if your mountains are blue because I'm looking at my unopened 24-ounce tall boy of Coors Light, and these mountains look blue. I know <laughs> it's the perfect time to drink it, and I'm going to finally, after long delay, crack this baby open. Oh, I like the sound of that. I already started mine while your cats were causing a ruckus. Yes. Well, a little bit about Coors. Of course, it's our drink of choice for Denver, the Denver Broncos. So why are we drinking this? Well, Coors Light, first of all, was the, or Coors was the main beer sponsor of the NFL for like 20 years up until 2011 when it was replaced by Bud Light. So Coors itself has a history. If you recall watching football, every commercial break, you saw the commercial of the train coming through and taking the most mundane experiences to one filled with yeah, scantily clad women That's right. dancing yeah. while somehow snow is falling also and everybody's yeah. scantily clad. It just yeah. works out. People got really bad frostbite at those parties. Yeah, but they had a great time. You know, you got your uh, alcohol jacket on. Yeah. And why we're drinking it also is because the main Coors Brewery is in Golden, Colorado, which happens to be but a 25-minute drive from Mile High Stadium, right near the heart of downtown Denver. So I've got a couple interesting facts about Coors. The okay. first is that the Golden, Colorado Brewery is the single largest brewery facility in the world with a capacity of about 23 million barrels of beer, which means about 7 wow. billion cans of beer. But 
much like the way this world is going, it is probably not going to be the largest brewery for for long. The uh, Nava Brewery in Piedras Nagras, Mexico, is likely to surpass the Coors Brewery in size early next year. Wow. It's being expanded right now. That is where your Corona and Negro Modelo mm-hmm, are mm-hmm, brewed. Mm-hmm. All the, the jobs and the factories are moving to Mexico. So when Mexico City gets a team, we know which beer to drink. Definitely, definitely. And number two, and this is interesting, so this goes with uh, the Golden Colorado Brewery is, is huge, but it's still not big enough to brew all the cores light that is drank all throughout America. Such a popular beer. This caused a problem back in 1991 when they first started having to expand where they brewed the beer because their theme for the prior 60 years had been brewed with pure Rocky Mountain spring water, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm, once yeah. they weren't brewing in the Rockies, did not uh, became not true. So they, after complaints from rival beer companies, they changed their slogan to, quote, original Coors is brewed with all natural ingredients for a clean, smooth, from the Rockies taste. Uh, yeah. Not from yeah. the Rockies. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, all the time I'll drink something and I'll say that that tastes like the Rockies. But this their saga is not over. So and they changed it in uh, 1991 to this new slogan. You think problem solved? No. Mm-hmm. Fast mm-hmm. forward to 2016 and they have new problems. Mm-hmm. In a class action lawsuit filed in Florida, Coors was accused of misleading consumers about this exact same issue with their modern slogans. So I've got three of the slogans listed in the lawsuit. You be the judge. Are these misleading? Now, note, the main original source of this problem is that the beer is not actually brewed in the Rockies. It is brewed somewhere else. But who, who, this is, person, who is suing them on this issue? Well, before we get into this gentleman's uh, history and his reason for the lawsuit, let's, let's judge it on the okay. merits first. Okay. These three slogans were picked out. Born in the Rockies. Okay. Proudly brewed in the Rocky Mountain tradition. <laughs> okay, okay. And, I mean... quote, what would we be without our mountains? Wow. I mean, that, that, that last one just sounds dirty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see any problem with any of those. Uh, well, the plaintiff. I mean, there, there are mountains everywhere. It's true. It's true. Well, it says born in the Rockies, brewed in the Rocky Mountain tradition, but it does not say brewed in the Rocky Mountains. Right. And uh, the plaintiff's main complaint, the plaintiff, Joaquin Lorenzo, says <laughs> if he realized Coors Light was not exclusively made in the Rocky Mountains, he would have bought a right. less expensive beer. He was he was looking at the uh, the PBR and the Natty and saying, well, you know, maybe I'll go high end and get something that was born in the Rockies. Well, you want to, he, he wanted something brewed in the Rockies. Wanted Born in the Rockies, not yeah. good enough. I mean, if it's not going to have Rocky Mountain beer, what's the goddamn difference? Get well, the Natty White. Well, I'm looking at my can right now, and it says Born in the Rockies. So um, I'm guessing that the court rejected this gentleman's argument. So the lawsuit was filed last year. I'm sure it's still oh, weaving its way ongoing, through the court system. Ongoing litigation. Okay, well. I and mean, you know, this is in Florida. They've got a lot of problems on their plate. Let's hope that the uh, Supreme Court gets that ninth justice so that we can uh, get this litigation settled. Yeah, this one, this has 4-4 written all over it. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I'm, I'm ready to move on and talk about the Broncos while I enjoy this, uh, this beer that was uh, slightly inspired by flavors reminiscent of the Rockies. Number one. Let's just jump right into it. We don't want a team that is too good or too bad. Now, the Broncos are going to be a really interesting test case for this entire podcast series because they have a really big unanswered question about their ability to contend next year. Mm -hmm. So before I get Mm -hmm. to that, I'm going to just get the base stuff out of the way, and then we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. So their current Super Bowl odds are 18 to 1. Not bad, but not great. Uh, they're, they're, I think, about 7th uh, or 8th or something like that. So their win percentage in the past 10 seasons, 5th in the NFL, 58.8%. They've made the playoffs five times, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. uh, tied for 8th. And they've won six playoff games, which is 7th. So they are squarely in the top uh, third of the NFL in the past 10 years in every category. 
They, of course, won Super Bowl 50 uh, two right. seasons ago or, or one season ago. Right. So now we're going to get into our, our famous game where I've got some super fan feedback that they love this game. So we're back. But I've tweaked it a little bit. All right. All right, I'm, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you three things. I don't things. remember the game that we did in the last episode. So that's going to be very exciting. I know. It's been so long in between episodes. <laughs> it's true. I've got three things. One of them is true. Oh, right. One okay. of them is false. And mm-hmm. one of them could be either. Because I don't want you. You have to figure it out on, on the spot. So at least one is true. At least one is false. And one is could be either. Either true or false. Okay. Either true or false. Okay. Number one. For the four seasons Peyton Manning was on the Broncos, they had the highest winning percentage in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number two, they won the 1997 and 1998 Super Bowls back to back. They are the last team to win back to back Super Bowls. Uh, <laughs> Number that's three, a, wait, that's a two parter. What if one of those is true and one of those is false? No. <laughs> okay. I, the first part okay. is true. Oh, number three. Oh, oh, that wasn't part of the question. Okay. Okay. Got it. No, that's number two. They definitely <laughs> won the Super Bowls in 1997, 1998. That's right. not that's not part of the question. Okay, got it. Number that was three. like the setup to the question. Okay, okay. Number the two. Denver Broncos have the most Super Bowl losses of any team. Oh, okay. All right, so let's go one by one. The first one. For the first four seasons, or for the four seasons Peyton Manning was on the Broncos, they had the highest winning percentage in the league. Now, now as a former Charger fan, I obviously took an interest in the Broncos and their win percentage because they're our division, uh, not necessarily our division rival, but uh, in the same division. So always a healthy rivalry going on there. Um, I think that was concurrent with the Patriots being very good. But I also remember they had some really, really solid years in there. So I am going to say that that is true. Okay, number two. They won the 1997 and 1998 Super Bowls back-to-back. They are the last team to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Okay, I believe that is false. I think the Patriots have done it since then. Number three, the Denver Broncos have the most Super Bowl losses of any team. I also believe that is false because the Bills lost so many in a row that I have to think that they hold that record. Joe? All right, how did I do? True, false, false. For the first time in this game, you are 100%. Well 100%? Done. Oh, my God. For the four seasons that Peyton Manning was on the Broncos, they did have the highest winning percentage of the league, 78%. Second place, the Patriots. Of course, they're always good, but they are only 75%. Wow. So the Broncos had it. You're exactly correct about number two. The Broncos did win the Super Bowl back-to-back, but the Patriots did it in 03 and 04. So the Patriots are the most recent person. Mm -hmm. Of course, the Seahawks Mm -hmm. would have been the most recent person, but they blew it. Oh, shit. Joe, no, no, you're wrong about number three. I was so excited. (laughs) Wait, wait, this is La La Land at the Oscars all over again. You announced (laughs) my victory and now you're ripping it from me. I am. Sorry, Joe, I take it all back. No, number three is true. They do have the most Super Bowl losses of any team. Wow. And this is, it's, it's very interesting because in modern history, we've seen, you know, since 1997, They've been in four Super Bowls, 97, yeah. 98, uh, 2013, 2015, and they won three of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we think they're good. But before that, they had been to four Super Bowls and they lost all of them. So yeah. huh. the Denver Broncos are three and five in the Super Bowls. Their five losses is the most of any team. Now, you mentioned the Bills. They have four, mm. which is second place. But you're right. They're 0 and 4. There's another team that's 0 and 4, the Vikings. They've been to the Super Bowl four times. They've lost all four. And the Patriots have also lost four Super Bowls, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but nobody has lost five but the Denver Broncos. So uh, two out of three on that. Pretty good. Sorry for getting your hopes up there. I mean, losing the most Super Bowls is sort of an interesting stat because on one hand, you've you've lost the most, but that also means that you were good enough to get to a lot of Super Bowls. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've been to eight Super Bowls, which up until this year was tied for the most, but the Patriots... Uh, just got to their ninth Super Bowl this year, so they uh, took that record on their yeah. own. But yeah, they've been in eight Super Bowls out of fifty-one. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, the Chargers would have been so lucky as to uh, lose that many Super Bowls. Yeah, so. Chargers still still hoping for that that first one. I guess they've been mm-hmm. to one. But anyways, and now we get to the thing we uh, briefly alluded to at the beginning. 
they have a very interesting situation, which is they had very terrible quarterback play last season, but mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. have a great defense. So they, in the offseason, are trying to get uh, a very good quarterback. And uh, there's certainly one really good quarterback out there, Tony Romo, that the Denver Broncos are heavily targeting. And I think if the Denver Broncos do pick up Tony Romo, they might even become the Super Bowl favorite. But if they don't get Tony Romo, I think their chance of winning the Super Bowl is probably about 20 to 1 as it is now. So this is a kind of team where if you got on their bandwagon, you not only get to follow them sort of during the season, but you get this really exciting offseason. Do they have a backup option to Tony Romo? Is there someone, is there another decent quarterback out there on the free agent market or in a position that Denver could draft them that, that would feel like they are, had a chance? The last time Tony Romo played football, he was essentially an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. He, he, he mm-hmm. was in the argument for the best quarterback in the NFL. There is no other free agent. The, the only parallel to the situation that's happening right now, I believe, is the parallel when Peyton Manning was also on the free agent market. There are other quarterbacks available. Jimmy Garoppolo is supposedly available, but mm-hmm. Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo has not played extensively. And even if he does play, we have no idea if he's very good. Tony Romo is a great quarterback. And even if Tony Romo wasn't a great quarterback, this team has had the number one ranked defense for the last two seasons. They have an unbelievable defense. So if you put even competent quarterback play, I mean, their quarterback this year was absolutely dreadful and they still finished nine and seven because their defense is so damn good. Yeah, no, that's an interesting wrinkle to this whole podcast is that there's actually this big unknown out there where we don't know what, um, are they too good if they get Tony Romo? Are they too bad if they don't get Tony Romo? That's interesting. I mean, look, I think, I think the Broncos are not anywhere near the too bad scale. They have a great history. They have a great defense. And I mean, you know, they just won the Super Bowl one season ago. So they're obviously not too bad. I think the question is, are they too good? Especially if they get Romo, is that just like a very bandwagon team to root for? I mean, as you said, they might be favorites to win the Super Bowl if they get Tony Romo. Let's... Pretend like the Tony Romo thing didn't exist. If they just had a mediocre quarterback or if they just had like a new, young, exciting draft pick quarterback, I would almost say that this team would be like the poster child of like a 10 on the not too good or too bad scale Yeah, because they're, they're, they've lost their old franchise quarterback. They're starting a new great defense, but you know, they had a rough year last year. So I think this would be kind of the perfect team to root for now. I think the Tony Romo thing would almost put them in a too good category. So I'm going to give them an 8 out of 10 in this category. I think it's fair. Pretty pretty high, though. Well, certainly our highest so far. And, and I think this is the first team we've covered that is actually contending this yep. season. Even if they didn't get Tony Romo, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished with 10 wins or 11 right. wins. Right. They've, I mean, they've just got an unbelievable defense. Okay. Number two. So... We've uh, got an 8 out of 10 for number one. Number two, what does Joe think about the division? This is a division you are very familiar with yeah, because yeah, your former yeah. team was there. But it, we don't already have a rating on file because this wasn't invented when you did the first team here. So just to give a little overview of it, this is the AFC West. We've got four teams, the Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Oakland Raiders, and the now Los Angeles Chargers. Now, the thing about the AFC West is even though they won the Super Bowl one season ago, other than that, they really haven't had that great of uh, postseason performances in really the last uh, 15 years. Since the year 2000, they've been in the Super Bowl three times, uh, the Broncos twice, uh, the Raiders once in 2002, you know, the Broncos won in, in 2015. But other than that, that's basically it. They haven't uh, uh, for a four-team division they really haven't made it that deep very often and one super bowl in the last 16 years is uh, not their fair share for a division so and really the los angeles chargers and kansas city chiefs had have made no postseason noise at all in recent history yeah this is such a tough division for me to rate because 
I have such a vested history with it. I feel like it's an exciting division. I feel like it's a fun division. The factors that go into me rating this division actually have less to do with the past success of the teams. It really comes down to, well, I'm taking this opportunity to find a new team. Do I also want to take this opportunity to find a new division to root for? The benefits of this division is that I I know it better than I know any other division. I actually get a chance to root against the LA Chargers twice a season. And you continue getting to root against the teams you already root against. Right. I could still hate the Raiders. I could still sort of be casually indifferent to the Chiefs. (laughs) And I could root against the Chargers. So that's the good thing. The bad thing is that my impression as a fan of the AFC West, and maybe every fan feels this way, or maybe not, is that it's not a division that gets a whole lot of national media attention, you know, where the AFC East has the Patriots and just seems to, you know, the Jets and always seems to have coverage. And certainly the NFC East is like constant coverage. Uh, you know, the AFC West is just sort of like a sleepy little division that gets talked about when a team is either very, very good or when there's a big rivalry or very bad or whatever, but uh, it doesn't get coverage naturally on its own just for like the excitement of who's going to win the division. So I really do have mixed feelings about this, but as I think about it more, I think that actually getting away from the AFC West might be a good thing. So I'm going to give it uh, not not a super low score, but let's just say a four and a half out of 10. Okay, four and a half. Back to the half I'm really points. sticking I like with it. the half rankings. <laughs> you know, the 10-point system is just not enough. I, I need 20 different options. You've got to get the granular there. I might back put in that score for the, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, you know, if this thing really comes down to the wire after our next 29 podcasts. Yeah, no, I think we have to. It's only fair. Number three, does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? If you name the head coach of the Denver Broncos, I'll give you $100 right here, right now. (laughs) Uh, No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. He's a guy who I I, I believe he, Gary Kubiak. Ah, see, that's where I got you. Gary Kubiak is the former coach Ah. of the Denver Broncos. So Gary Kubiak resigned over uh, at the end of last season, right, citing he kept health having concerns. heart attacks, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to make light of any serious health issues. But we're <laughs> we're all on. A, I'm asking a question. I wasn't. My Look, tone was not mocking. He, I'm on Team Kubiak here. I know you <laughs> make light of human life, but I do not do that. Their current coach is a man by the name of Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph was originally hired by Kubiak, Gary Kubiak, uh, for the Houston Texans a long time ago. He is a, uh, he formerly played college football as a quarterback. And then when he, he decided or ended up playing in the NFL where he switched to defensive back, mm. he played two seasons in the NFL. He wasn't very good. He then became a coach and he really just worked himself all the way up. He was a college coach that he then broke into the NFL. He started out as a um, de- defensive backs coach. And he moved to the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins last season. And then this year he's hired, you know, of course, as the head coach of the Broncos. He's a huge defensive minded coach. When he was the defensive backs coach for the Bengals, they led the team in or they led the league in interceptions. When he was the defensive backs coach for the Texans, they led the league in lowest opponents completion percentage. When he was a defensive coordinator for the Dolphins last season, their defense improved. Uh, I wouldn't say it improved a lot, but they went from 25th defense to 19th in uh, defensive DVOA last year. So he improved the defense. So he's a guy that's going to basically, they said, you know, our problem last year was offense, but you know what? Our defense is great. Let's bring in a guy who's a defensive expert. Let's make our defense even better. How do you feel about that? So this is our third team in a row that has a new head coach this year. Is that right? Oh, no, no, no. The Browns didn't have a new head coach. Yeah, the Browns, Hugh Jackson coming back for a second year and leading the uh, box office this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we really played out that joke. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Dolphins were pretty middle of the pack last season in terms of defense. So 
it doesn't seem like being the Dolphins defensive coordinator is anything to hang your hat on. You know, it's so hard to write these new coaches with like a, like three sentences of information. So I think in fairness, both to him and to the Vance Joseph fans of the world, I'm I'm going to say five out of 10. Because look, this isn't about whether or not it's a good coach. I don't expect good coaching. I just want competent coaching. And jury's definitely out five out of 10. All right, five out of 10. Number four, is the team evil? Mm. And for this question, we've been looking at the players and their run-ins with the law. And so we will bring back the game, top third, middle third, bottom third. Do you think the Denver Broncos get in trouble with the law a lot about league average or less than uh, everybody else? You know, with both the Chargers and the Browns, I feel like I had a pretty good sense of this. Uh, I have no idea with the Broncos. I, I, I can't think of any standout incidents that make me think that they're in the bottom uh, or the top of, of incidents, but they also, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to guess that they are in the bottom third, that they've had very few incidents with the law. Well, Joe, I'm going to report this correctly this time. You are dead wrong. Oh no. The Broncos in the last five years are tied for fourth most incidents in the league. And if you go all the way back to 2000, they are number two in the league. They've had 48 run-ins with the law, and the number one team, which I'm sure we'll cover in a future podcast, has 49. So they are way right at the there. top. Okay. Wow. In the they uh, in the last or uh, in the since 2000, they are first in domestic disputes, which is no fun yeah. to uh, root for your team when they're getting in trouble like that. And they're second in DUIs. They get a lot of DUIs. Uh, I mean, this is so bad. Their kicker Matt Prater has two DUIs. You know, when you're a kicker, when you're a kicker, you don't have a lot of room for error. There are a lot of kickers out there. Yeah. Uh, but when I when I highlighted the incidents, I had so many to choose from. I just focused on one position, and I don't want to talk about any domestic incidents, of which they've had many horrible ones. And uh, Yeah, that's no fun are, to talk about. They're all terrible, and some of them are from, like, their star players. It's It's a team that gets in trouble a lot. But I focused on... Uh, some lighter crimes, and they're all from the same position, which is safety. So we're going to start with uh, Quinn Carter, who was a safety for the Broncos for four seasons. He was at a casino and was playing craps mm-hmm. and was caught mm-hmm. on video adding $5 chips to three bets after <laughs> oh, the no. dice had already rolled. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're an NFL player. Why but look, are you this, trying to win $5? I know. So he was caught, um, he was charged with three counts of committing a fraudulent act in a gaming establishment, (laughs) which each charge is one to six years because clearly the casinos run the world. That's ridiculous that he was facing 18 years in jail for putting a few $5 (laughs) chips on a table. But the charges were eventually dropped. I don't know if he won the craps roll, but I would hope if he's putting the chips on there, it was was a good roll. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that that's 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 really bad. I mean, when you're not an NFL player, you know not to do that. There's cameras everywhere. And then you're you're a famous athlete walking into a uh, casino. That's just really, really dumb. It's interesting that you mentioned he could get identified because our next uh, criminal, TJ Ward, who's their current safety, three time pro bowler, great safety. <laughs> he was busted for. At a strip club, he uh, had brought in his own external alcohol. And again, mm-hmm. these both mm-hmm. these crimes I support. I've been at a casino. I've wanted to put an extra chip when the roll is good. I yeah, have been accused, very expensive at strip abu- <laughs> accused to bring in outside alcohol before. Not a strip club, but in places. Yeah, He sure. was upset that the bartender told him he cannot bring in outside alcohol. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at one point... <sighs> When he was so upset, he threw his glass mug at the bartender. That seems like an overreaction. She was not happy with that. Uh, but she, he sort of just grazed her. He didn't like hit her smack dab. Mm-hmm. He sort of like grazed mm-hmm. her arm. But um, later, he was uh, fingered because 
people knew who he was because he was a famous athlete. And they were like, oh, the guy yeah, who just threw that glass is TJ Ward. That professional football player who walked in here. <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he got busted. Uh, he had a you know, minor, I think, anchor management or something. Community service, you know. But he was busted. But this leads me to the third crime. <laughs> All right. And this crime, we're going to get to play a little choose your own adventure with this to see what this man did. So Perfect. this okay. is John okay. Boyette, who is also a safety, but unlike the past two safeties, which uh, played for many years, uh, this guy was just on the practice squad, never saw the field uh, and was released from the team after this incident. Uh, after leaving a bar where he got drunk, he headbutted a cab driver, <laughs> then fled the scene and ran to a nearby construction site where he stole a shovel. And then, after stealing the shovel, he proceeded to... I'm going to give you three options. You tell me which one <laughs> okay, he did. Okay. Choose your own adventure. Okay. He, A, uh, ran after the cab, brandishing the shovel. Mm-hmm. B, okay. used the shovel to defend himself against the police. Or C, used the shovel to cover himself in mulch. Oh, interesting. I mean, <laughs> what I would do, I think it's the mulch. That makes the most sense. Yeah, you're not trying to fight. You're not trying to, you know, hit a cop with a shovel. You're just trying to hide. You grab the shovel, cover yourself with mulch, and just lay low for like an hour. Absolutely. That is correct. He just told the shovel. Talk about a with crime mulch, that I support. And did not work. He was caught <laughs> and busted and released from the team. And I, I believe that actually ran him out of the NFL. I think now he, he played in the uh, Canadian Football League. I I was expecting that maybe he was going to just like start to pretend like he was a construction worker on that site in order to get away from the cops. Well, I think he was very drunk and <laughs> it was also in the middle of the night. So it might have been a tough sell, but you I'm never saying, know. You, you, you put on a hard hat, you start digging a hole and see where it yeah. leads you. All right, Joe. There we go. I, that is a sampling of the many crimes right, I've committed. Right. And that's just at the safety position. That's just at this. And there were more, too. It's I just mean, scratching the surface. Look. If the way that we're judging a team based on its evilness is how much trouble the players get into, I think the Broncos, unfortunately, have to be a zero out of 10 in this category. All right. It's it's a fair score. I mean, they're number two in the league, and I didn't even bring up some of their star players. They, they all get into trouble. Yeah, that's no good. Come on, Broncos. All right. Number five, Joe. Can't root for a team that your friend Rob roots for. So what does Rob think about the Denver Broncos? <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. So in his rating of teams, he put them smack dab in the middle, number 18. Uh, and when I asked him his thoughts on the Broncos, he says, haven't liked them since the orange and blue unis. So Rob seems to have a, you know, middle of the road thoughts about the Broncos. So I don't think this is an exciting one. I think he's right in the middle about the Broncos. I don't think he loves them. I don't think he hates them. I can't tell if he hated the blue and orange uniforms or if he loved them. So let's just go right down the middle, five out of 10. All right, five out of 10. Broncos are going to need some help in these last few questions to pull ahead of the the Chargers. They really got dinged in the, the yeah yeah their criminal past hurting them. But I think we're moving to greener pastures for the Broncos. And we're going to start with uh, number six, which is, is it a city you would enjoy visiting to go to a game? Now, yeah, I've done some basic research. I personally have never been to Denver. I, I think I've been in the Denver airport, but that's it. I have friends that live in Denver. They say great they things like about it? it. Yeah, they enjoy it. They like it a lot. And I've got some data to back that up. So Denver is unique among all of the nfl cities in it's the mile high city and it's played at ultra high elevation yeah yeah which i think is a nice home field advantage mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. in 2016 denver was named the best place to live in the usa by us news and world report in 2017 they they got dumped down to second austin texas overtook them which i don't wow believe wow. that rating but yeah that makes me the, question the whole system. Okay. The point is when looked at this metropolitan area in terms of whatever they were looking at and, and place to live, the you know, the culture, the transportation, whatever, it rates very highly. Um, it's got I, I'm taking this straight from the like uh 
Denver Board of Tourism or whatever. <laughs> Denver is home to a fortunate Trusted art source. scene and music is a big part of the life here. Numerous yep. famous yep. acts originated here, including The Fray and Big Head Todd and The Monsters. You know, oh, one well, of those. Well, they're, Big Head Todd. I mean, that's, we could just end this right now. Okay, keep going. Yeah. There are also nearly 100 breweries in Metro Denver, and the Sudsy area is host to an annual Great American Beer Festival that showcases more than 3,500 beers from brewers around the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nothing else. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to keep going. So, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not part of the tourism board. So they, <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. So lots of beer, art scene. Sunshine, skiing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I would enjoy the thin air. Voted for Hillary Clinton. Seems like a very refreshing place. Yeah, that's the thing about Denver. Is it Denver, as you know, Dan, I live in Seattle. And Denver and Seattle are in many ways mirror image cities, both in the West, kind of, I think, similar populations. And, uh, you know, a lot of outdoorsy, a lot of hiking, whatever. Uh, and also like big on like progressive urban politics. So I, I think I like Denver. I think I'd enjoy visiting there. I would be honest and say it's probably not on my top 10 list of places in America that I haven't seen that I would like to visit. So I think the score is pretty high, but not top of the pack. I would say seven out of 10. All right. That ties Los Angeles. Number seven. Does the team have a player of players I could put on a fantasy roster? Yeah, this is slightly tough for uh, a more defensive team. Yeah, so uh, just to get started on Denver, there were multiple players in the Peyton, Mar- Peyton Manning era, even two, three seasons ago, that were best in every position. Both, both wide receivers, every running back, Peyton Manning were just you know, first round picks for everything because their That's offense right. scored so much. I'm not sure if you remember, but in one of our late nights of drinking and talking about football, before we started recording ourselves drinking and talking about football, you and I figured out at the end of the season that both of our fantasy teams would have been better had we drafted only Denver Broncos, even drafting like their third string running back instead of a better running back our team still would have been better had we just taken all broncos well the season that they scored that peyton manning scored the 50 touchdown he was not like the top quarterback off the board it was people weren't sure right everybody was was concerned is he too old yeah and you know that season was just incredible and you know but last season they were not good on offense so they were 28th in offensive dvoa and it showed in their star players. So they yeah. had uh, Demarius Thomas, who had 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders, who had 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. C.J. Anderson had an okay season, but not great. But that was it because they just didn't score very often. They didn't score many points. Their quarterbacks were uh, not elite. Didn't, you know, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a tough problem of if you don't have an elite quarterback... Right. It right. doesn't matter how great the running back or wide receivers are. They were all serviceable. I mean, you had three players that were serviceable, but not not any much more than that. They did have the second best scoring defense. So I personally love rooting for defenses in fantasy football because when you're watching Ugh. a game, like only good things can happen really. You know, the other team has to, to drive like 80 yards, but every time you get a sack, you get a point. Every time you get an interception, you get a point. Oh, I feel the opposite about rooting for defense. I feel like it only bad things can happen because you start off with like 15 points and then it just slowly dwindles down every time something happens in the game. Well, see, that's because you're drafting bad defenses. If right. you had Denver, <laughs> you wouldn't have Good. felt that way. And then it's, it's the most exciting play in fantasy football where the defense gets an interception or, fan, or a uh, fumble and you're rooting for them Ugh. to score a touchdown because if they score a touchdown, it's eight additional points. And if they do, like if they get tackled at the one yard line, it just all those points go to somebody on the offense. I'm getting rid of defense in our league next year. No, no. All right, we'll talk about that separately. <laughs> but and this is the big thing: if they get an elite quarterback, if they get Tony Romo, all of a sudden, if you take these guys, it, right, it elevates if you the take whole team. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel yeah. Sanders, who's getting a thousand yard season, really good point. With terrible quarterbacks throwing to them, Trevor Simeon. Yeah. I don't even know the other guy's name. 
And they're, I mean, they're 28th in offensive TVA. They were not good. Yeah. If you put Tony Romo in there, this it might be just a return to everything. Yeah. that season where because these are great talented players, and all of a sudden everybody, the tight ends, the wide receivers, the running backs, might just all become super elite. So it's this is all really hinging on the Tony Romo thing or their quarterback, but it could be a really really exciting team. To a degree, I feel like I have to rate the team as they are right now, which doesn't include a ton of top 10 draft picks. But on the other hand, it does seem like irrespective of whether or not they get Tony Romo, this is a team that historically has been a pretty important piece of a quality fantasy roster. Definitely. So I am going to say I'm going to be a little bit generous here and say six out of 10. All right. The the one thing when I root for a team and I, this is our difference about defenses. When you pick an offensive player, it's it's really so tough to root for them because so little happens on offense that affects your player, unless you have right. a running back. Right. But on the defense, really 50% of the game, you're getting to watch your team, and a sack could happen on any play. An interception could happen on any play. So It's it is. true. And when you root for an offensive player, you're often like rooting for weird things to happen. <laughs> you're like, well... Well, yes, I do want the Chargers to score, but I have Antonio Gates, so I hope they yeah, don't run right. it in. I hope they. Kinda... I hope they get tackled on the eight yard line because <laughs> right. then they might pass it in. Right, right. Where, where, when you do have the defense, and I guess I've, the Chargers defense has never been good enough to own on a fantasy team, other than like a random streaming week to own them. So it is an interesting point that it would be fun to be a Broncos fan and own the Broncos defense because you're doubling your enjoyment of watching their very good defense. Yeah, so, definitely. Every sack, every interception becomes super enjoyable. And and the Denver Broncos defense, it's not like those other defense. If you have the Denver Broncos defense, you're not ever dropping it. You're holding right. on to that. Right. They're going to be drafted for money. Yep. And they're, they're just, you, you don't even have to think about the defense position. You can play them every week. Especially with their new defensive-minded coach, Vance Joseph. Yeah. And again, they were number one in defensive DVOA for the past two seasons. Yeah, yeah, so they yeah. are a great defense. And uh, yeah. so I think I think I think six out of ten is totally fair. Number eight is the owner monster. I, I so, have no idea who owns the Broncos. Yeah. So this one we've we've got to be uh, put on our very nice hats because uh-huh. we can't tell it like it is. Even though, not to say we'd have anything negative to say either, because their owner is Pat Bowen, and he is uh, suffering from Alzheimer's disease mm-hmm. and sort of stepped aside from the team in 2010 and you know gave up much of the running of the team to John Elway and officially stepped aside in 2014, uh, where John Elway is officially running the team though he has so is he part the of the ownership group or he just is like a john elway is just a ceo of the team so okay. he's running the team so pat bowen and his family still owns the team mm-hmm. but he's um you know presumably uh affected by alzheimer's disease and so uh, i think basically uh everything i read about him has very uh, glowing things to say about him the word beloved comes up a lot and I don't, it's not necessarily because of uh, his current situation, but uh, because people seem to like him. I have one story that I found about him from the Canyon Courier that's entitled, Bowen went from booed to beloved. And this goes back to uh, 1998, I believe, when they were trying to get a vote passed for a new stadium, which we'll get into a little bit. Bowen was seen by a sizable percentage of the voters as aloof, arrogant, and disconnected from the community. He responded in a rational way for a business executive. He enlisted the help of a PR firm to better understand the basis for his tarnished image and to suggest a strategy to polish it up. Well, it worked. Voters approved the extension. The new stadium has been built and paid for, and the Broncos have prospered as one of the most successful franchises in professional sports. Bowen successfully incorporated the suggestions of his PR team into his everyday persona and became respected, revered, and despite any person's expectation in 1998, a beloved owner by Broncos fans. There you go. 
Wow. That, that that article might have been written by a wow. PR firm. Yeah, that that definitely sounds like some PR work there. It doesn't really get into whether or not the stadium actually proved to be a good deal for the city or not, of course. Well, it definitely was not. So, I, well, I don't know about saying it was not. The, the stadium, it, of all the things it could be, it wasn't hor- too onerous. They had a 0.1% increase in sales tax for between 2001 to 2012. They built a new stadium. People were generally happy with the stadium because people Mm -hmm. really liked Mile High Stadium. They liked where it was located. They liked its place in the city. So what he did is they built the stadium right next to Mile High Stadium in the parking lot. Then after they built the new stadium, they demolished the old stadium and made that into the new parking lot. So people were very happy, you know, how the new stadium looked where it existed how it was part of the community and i think the whole stadium deal as opposed to the charger situation i think people were happy about how it came up and people were excited that that they sort of modernized a stadium that they really loved so this is like the model for the right way to extort a city for money like if you're gonna i think yeah this is the well, best way. He hired the PR firm. They figured, he did hire they figured a PR out how firm. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. People pay their That's, increase. And a 0.1% increase in sales tax is so innocuous where you're just never going to notice it. Uh, it's it's smart. And and the tax went away. I mean, there, I read an article that with people complaining that um, when the, the stadium was fully paid off, you know, the computers hadn't been updated to lower the tax. And people were saying, ah, you're charging us too much tax. <laughs> and then, you know, they... They updated the computers and that was it. The stadium had been paid off. There was no, the tax just went away, which uh, does not happen in California. Whenever they make new taxes, they just continue They're to stick forever. around. Yeah. yeah. First of all, I was really hoping that you would mention that uh, in the episode of The Simpsons where, where uh, Hank Scorpio buys the Denver Broncos for Homer Simpson <laughs> and he's the owner of the Broncos, uh, even though he wanted the Buffalo Bills, I believe. Uh or no, he wanted the Dallas Cowboys, of course. No, he, he wanted, wanted the Cowboys. He don't want the Bills. He wanted the Cowboys, but he ended up with the Broncos. Uh, no, but look, and it sounds- the, the, the the first play of the Super Bowl where they lost <laughs> going over Peyton Manning's head is exactly what happened in that episode. <laughs> uh, so great. So look, that's what I think of when I think of the Broncos' ownership. But uh, no, look, this guy sounds well-liked. Seems like uh, with their stadium issue, you know, in a contrast to certain owners we don't have to talk about anymore uh he did it in a better way so let's give uh mr bolin an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten i think that's fair and i didn't look into the details too much but it was a vote it wasn't it wasn't like uh the the legislature did it people voted to do it so Mm -hmm. you know in some sense if people want the stadium and they're willing to pay the tax for it then they can do it and and Again, from my reading, it seemed that they said it was going to be a tax for this many years until it's paid off, and then it goes away, and that's exactly what happened. And And it seems like it was more of an issue of taking it to voters to update the stadium, not like, do this or we will leave. Yeah. Which is a very different conversation. Right. Absolutely. Well, he's uh, got by far. Our current scores for owners are one and three. So this eight is uh, our high watermark. This could be the record. And it could be uh, could be up there for a long time based on whoever we get uh, <laughs> next. Okay, number nine, and this goes this goes all the way back to what Rob was saying. Rate the uniform and the logo. Before we get into it, I just want to start. Before I research the team, I didn't know what a Bronco was. Joe, do you know what a Bronco is? I, mean, I think it's a kind of horse, right? It is a kind of horse. Do you know more specifically? Uh, no, no. I mean, they talk about like a bucking Bronco. I don't know. Just kind of horse, I guess. That's good. So the definition is a Bronco is a untrained horse or one that habitually bucks. So it's a type of horse Mm -hmm. that's the Wikipedia page noted. That's not a wild horse, but it's a domesticated horse, but one that's just really difficult to ride and just doesn't like. Also, when you think about this fact that like people just get on this animal and they're like, Hey, why won't this thing just do what I say? Go somewhere. That's like a bad thing, but (laughs) So it's like, an ass- it's like an asshole horse. Exactly. It, well, it's a horse. It's like, get off me. I just want to be a horse. So right. that is what so it's a actually Bronco maybe is. like a rational horse. 
Yes, definitely. Like, and, I don't want this person sitting on my back. And apparently the, the concept of a Bronco is something it's now like trained for. I think when they do for rodeos, like rodeos, they do different yeah. types of thing. I don't know if they do it on horses, but it's like, it's now something that it, they will uh, hone in a particular type of horse to, to get a really good bucking horse. But, but that is what a Bronco is. It, it's a, a free spirited horse mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. Uh, will not be tamed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that uh, I mean, Broncos sound like actually the smartest of all horses. Yeah, well, it, they might get in trouble for disobeying <laughs> people. I don't know. I support it though. So, going to the uniforms, they changed their uniforms in 1997 to the sort of modern era. They've always yeah. been orange is basically their their big color, the same color that you were so upset about the Browns for. Well, now, hold on. I don't have any problem with orange. If you're going to be the Browns, don't don't make your central color orange. We don't have to relitigate this. I'm not sure. Growing up, my favorite color was orange. But to be honest, I'm not sure orange is my favorite color on an NFL uniform. But look, I'm not picking the team. So what do you think about these uniforms? They've got the the orange uh, uniform. They've got the white uniform. And they do have... I, I think their like dark blue uniform with the orange highlights is uh you know, it's pretty decent. Yeah, I remember when the Broncos um debuted their uniform that had the stripe that went from the shirt down to the pants, and it was like a controversial thing. That was the first time that a uniform did that, but now I think a lot of them do that. Oh, tons of them do. I didn't uh, even know that. Wow, yeah. Joe. Big historical information. No, I, I remember it at the time. I remember, there, I don't know if this was a true rumor or not, that like John Elway had helped design the uniforms. It was kind of like, oh, this guy designed an ugly uniform, but he's the quarterback, so they have to do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, these uniforms, it, it is it is quite a bit of orange. It's very heavy on the orange. And Rob doesn't like this uniform, which makes me like it more. So that's a factor. Oh, these color rush uniforms look cool. Yeah, uh, these uniforms are fine. They're fine. The Broncos fine. Let's give it a four out of ten. Nothing four exciting. Out of 10. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not excited by it. Maybe, maybe I do hate orange. <laughs> Number ten. It displeases me. Do they play a style of play you would enjoy watching? Yeah, this is this is interesting because they're such a defensive team now. And, you know, which might be a little bit boring at times, but that's just historically not been the case. You're talking about one of the most high-flying offenses just, I mean, recently too. Absolutely. I mean, in those four years, they had the highest winning percentage of the league. They, had, I, they must have had the best offense for the first three years of, of Peyton Manning's uh, play there. Right. So... I guess once again, we're talking about what the team is going to look like next year. Are they going to be getting back to that high-powered offense? Are they still going to be a mostly defensive team with low-scoring games? Or are they going to be, I mean, like the best combination of that, a really great offense and a really great defense? So when I watch football, see, the, the team I root for, the Washington professional football team, hasn't had a good defense in so long. I don't even know what it's like to have a good defense. But when I watch NFL football. I like to pick teams that have a great defense because right. I it's, right. a really fun when your defense battle. is terrible. Yes. It's just so frustrating. Yes. Yeah. It's the teams just score at will. It's like when you watch a, a Washington game. It's just like sometimes the receivers just looking running wide open, and then the two def- defense backs look at each other and they're like, oh, "I thought it was your guy." You know, the the good teams like Denver and you know Seattle they were the best defense i think for a couple seasons uh before Denver it's just fun to watch for me a team that is not only competent but sort of great at defending because the NFL has become time over time a more offensive league so yeah i mean if- having watched the chargers defense for so long I, I i always get the feeling that whenever they stop a play that it's kind of like by accident, <laughs> like they're like, like the cornerbacks are always just as surprised as the fans are. Like, oh shit, we batted that down. <laughs> How'd that happen? Uh, the Redskins right. definitely. Oh, the Washington professional football team definitely 
was dependent on the receivers just dropping the ball. Yeah, that yeah. was like, yeah, yeah. They're like, well, well, our strategy to stop them is that it's actually really hard to catch a yeah. ball. So they might drop three times in a row, and then we'll get the ball. <laughs> and look, the the Washington they great offense, but right. you know, right. they, Denver had the. It's it's amazing. Their offense was terrible. Twenty eighth offense in the league on DVOA, but they had their first defense, and they finished nine and seven. I mean, defense is it just keeps you in every game. Yeah, but you know, when I think about their Super Bowl victory, that was such like an ugly Super Bowl win. It was kind of just like it wasn't exciting. It wasn't it didn't feel like a triumphant win. It felt like they sort of won despite themselves. Uh because they were so inept at offense. Uh well, Peyton Manning was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So so it well, it's fun to watch a good defense. It is really not fun to watch a bad NFL quarterback. That's true. So I think this is one of those ratings that is just very dependent on what's going to happen. I do think, though, I want to give them credit for the fact that right now, looking at what the team has been the last two years is really a snapshot, which is not historically accurate to the team's normal style of play, which is generally from having watched quite a bit of the Broncos in the AFC West, they're generally a fairly competent team. And have been for the last decade or so. So I am going to say six out of ten on this one as well. Six out of ten is our highest yet. Number eleven. What is interesting about this fan base? So um, it's it's I, going through the information. It was hard to find anything like super unique. Other than I can say that the Denver Bronco fans are big fans of their team. So Nielsen ranked them when they look at each local market and what percentage of mm-hmm. people were mm-hmm. tuned into the games. They were number three. So Denver fans really big into watching their team, into supporting the team. They, they were, might just also watch a lot of TV in Denver. No, because that would, that would hurt the rankings. It's it, during the NFL game, what percentage of TVs were tuned in to the Broncos? Uh. So in theory, if they didn't watch TV, it'd be better because all the sports fans would be watching. When their games are on national TV, the ratings were like number five. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not like the national audience wasn't interested in them. I mean, a lot of this probably had to do with Peyton Manning and their great defense and you know the, their postseason runs, but whatever. And there was a scholarly paper ranking fans based on how much money people in a city would spend on a team adjusted mm-hmm. for like mm-hmm. the overall uh, market size and yeah. performance. And the Broncos were number three in that metric. So wow. I think if you're in the Denver area, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, whenever I go to Seattle to visit you, the... The 12 flag is always flying. People are always wearing the jerseys. And though I've never been to Denver, I would imagine based on it's these statistics the that it's yeah. probably very similar, that yeah. they're, they're big Broncos fans. Yeah, I mean, I think of the Broncos as a team that definitely travels well. I know when I've been to games in other cities when they're playing the Broncos, there always seem to be a healthy amount of Bronco fans there. It's such an interesting thinking about the Broncos in this way is such an interesting thing because um, of the animus that I've had towards them. But it seems like a strong fan base, but maybe not one like the Browns that we talked about in the last episode that has just a lot of interesting quirks to it. Definitely. Uh, So you have a lot of dedication, but there's not a lot of uh, uniqueness there. And this is a fan base that unlike the last two teams we've talked about, They've yeah. been to the Super Bowl twice in the past. Yeah, four years. there's not they a lot of They won the Super Bowl there. two years ago. They their team. I mean, I wouldn't so say they've lost a 19, lot of Super Bowls too. So, but but not go. in recent history. I mean, since 1998, mm-hmm. when they were you know in the the end of the John Elway era, they hadn't been that competitive. But yeah. you know, once John Elway got Peyton Manning, they just jumped straight. And you know, for four seasons, they were best in the league. So, and if they get Tony Romo again. They just might be great again. So yeah. this isn't to yeah. say they're fair weather fans. I think these are fans of the team in the the up years and the down years. But they've certainly they've had pretty fair weather for a long time. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I don't think this is a bad fan base, but it's not one that I'm 
super excited to be joining. So let's just say a four out of 10. All right. Four out of 10. And finally, <laughs> I mean, I can't believe last one rating cores later on a podcast. This, this is, uh, it's, I don't know where we're going to go with this, but <laughs> I see your red solo cup in the FaceTime. Yeah. You're drinking it. I've had my beer has uh, warmed significantly at this point. The tall yeah. boy might not have been the best choice. The mountains are definitely not blue anymore. Uh, so what do you give it? What do you rate a Coors Light? Yeah, I see why the uh, why the mountain color is so important because it does it does taste significantly worse once it gets warm. Yeah, no, look, you know, I'm I'm sure our huge Denver fan base will. Um, not enjoy the fact that that their city's beer is being represented by Coors, but it is such a like Denver associated beer. I had someone over before the podcast, and I said like, I just pulled it out and said, "Oh, guess which team we're doing tonight?" They immediately knew. So you can't escape the fact that this is a beer associated with the city. I mean, uh, it's the biggest brewery in the world, located twenty minutes right, from the stadium. Right, right. Even if there are much better beers in Denver, this is their drink for sure. Uh, you know, look, Coors Light is like seminal. It's, it's one of the, you know, it's, it's like a great beer pong beer. I don't think anyone picks up a Coors Light because they're expecting, uh, you know, quality brewed, interesting beer. But, uh, I mean, look, it's not great. <laughs> it's not great beer. So all that being said, let's just cut to the chase. It's, uh, it's not a great beer. So, uh, let's. Give it some points for its, its important place in our culture and in Denver history and for for employing a lot of hardworking, hopefully uh, union Americans. Uh, and let's give them a four and a half out of ten. Which is our, our highest score yeah. yet. Yeah. I'm- and if very importantly, this puts Denver Broncos tied now in wow. the lead with the Los Angeles Chargers at exactly they needed that extra half point the half point did it they're, oh they're tied oh exactly at 62 and the Chargers at 62 were a maybe mm-hmm. are the mm-hmm. Denver Broncos are are they a maybe as well you know as I've mentioned a few times it talking about the Broncos is this is this is really a truly interesting point in this podcast because I hated the Broncos absolutely hated the Broncos as a Charger fan. But all that is gone now, and I have to seriously consider whether or not the Broncos are my team. And I think scoring as highly as they did for a team that I, you know, still probably deep down harbor some resentment towards that I have to get over, uh, yeah, I I want to keep them as a maybe. I'm not ready to say no to the Broncos yet. Beautiful. I mean, if they had Tony Romo, I don't like Tony Romo as a cowboy, but I'll root for him as a Bronco. Well, that's the other thing is that maybe having them as a maybe allows us to reassess once we see what they do in the offseason. And as a perfect point about reassessing when we're done, we've got now three teams down and only 29 to go. But we are cruising along. We don't have all the time in the world. So for our next episode, you and I are going to record a doubleheader where we are going to record two episodes back-to-back uh, during your current paternity leave, where you've got some time off, which is great. We're we'll really still separate start... them in people's iTunes feeds so they don't have to listen yeah, to Yeah, they're going to be separate feeds. Yeah. But I'm going to announce both of these teams now, and we are going to be doing the drinks back-to-back. So the second <laughs> so half of the doubleheader. We may get a little bit loopy. Well, I don't know. It's, we'll <laughs> Depends see on the drink, what kind of energy is in there. Maybe Red Bull vodka could come up. <laughs> all right. So I'm, I've put all the teams in random.org. All right. I'm going to just pick the top two. Okay. Top two. All right. Come on. Something good. No whammy. Wow. Two teams from my division back to back. Back to back division. Okay. Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. wow. These are some interesting teams. So... So next next episodes are a little NFC East. We're just jumping right into my division. Oh, I, this is if if you pick a team in the NFC East, that's going to be crazy. That might hurt you, huh? If I pick a different team in the NFC East, wow! It would it would just create a natural rivalry. All right, but I'll I'll be very interested to research those teams and well for the Cowboys certainly. I'm sure I'll I'll do my best to dig up whatever <laughs> I can. 
So Eagles first, and then Cowboys second. Cowboys after that. It'll be. I think the Cowboys episode. I mean, they're they're America's team, so that is really going to be our entrance into the podcasting scene. That's going to be the episode that everybody listens to. That's first, the breakthrough. So. That's a breakthrough, absolutely. Because gotta- frankly, we've got a bunch of small market teams that we've done so far. And the Eagles are sort of getting in there, but the Cowboys are just going to blow this thing wide open. So we better be ready to go. I can't wait. All right, Dan. Thanks a lot. All right. See you, Joe. Go Broncos.